Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Hello, hello, hello. This is Karen, and Karen Walrand is coming back. She's one of my guest co hosts. I love talking with her. And we're going to be talking about the third week of January right? Starts to become the blues. There's been all this hype at the end of the year and finishing it out and ending and there's new hope for a bright new year and the adrenaline's kicking and there's the holidays and there's the family and there can be the drama with the family. And then you get the new year and it's supposed to be this excitement and there's adrenaline. And then I don't know about you, but for me, the third week, I start to hit the blahs. So Karen and I are going to be talking about that. And we're going to be talking about taking care of yourself and how we've changed that viewpoint of self-care as well. So I will circle back with you after the show. Karen, hello and welcome back. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. How are you? I am doing great. Doing great. And it's now 2016 and there's been, you know, I feel like in November and then especially December and that first week of January, it's like, you know, 2016, 2016, what are you going to, you know, what are you leaving behind? What are you, what are you bringing forward? And then now what? Now what? Now what? <laughs> now what are we going to do? All that hype, all that adrenaline. And then it's like the third week of January. And I don't know about Houston, but Davis sucks in January. <laughs> <laughs> well, Houston, it, 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 we're good. You know, it, like February is when it starts to get really cold. And we've had a really, really, really mild, almost too warm um, winter here. So, so the weather's okay. But, you know, it's still, you got the got that gray doldrums, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's gray. And it's, I mean, for, you know, again, I know I won't have much empathy from the rest of the country, but it's cold, right? Yeah. Relatively uh, speaking. Was, you guys have had some weird cold, right? We've had some weird cold. And yeah. just, January is just gray. Like, mm-hmm. I grew up in California. I'm used to sunshine. And so January, that third week, it's, it's a butt kicking. Yeah. And, you know, there's all that hype. And then I feel like there's that crashing. So now what? Mm. So how do you stay energized, eh? Um, well, you know, the the first week, that first Monday back in reentry into the world, real world, uh, I got out of bed, took my kids to morning practice, came home, got back into bed. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had peeked at my calendar for the week and went, oh, my gosh, <laughs> who who booked all this? There's too much. Like, I don't know if I can get it done. And of course I could because I booked it on the calendar. So there's space for it all. But it was a lot. But I went back to bed and I had that little pity party for about 15 minutes, which is a huge improvement from past years. And then I said, okay, this is not helping the situation. And I got up and I, you know, I said, how do I want to honor myself? And I have a spin bike at home and I jumped on that. Um, and I, so I, I worked out for a bit and that's always better for my brain to work out. Most people work out for calories. I work out for my brain. Um, I get that. And then I just started, you know, looking at my schedule. Okay, this is what I had. I I didn't argue with it. It was on the calendar. Yeah. And I honor commitments to other people, right? So there I went. You know, it's so funny that you said that because I sort of had the same um, reaction. Like I, 
my um my holiday season, like really from right before Thanksgiving um, through the end of the year, I was really quiet for me, which was fantastic because my the year before was crazy. Like we were traveling and all that stuff, but it was really, really quiet. And so, um, which is great because I got a lot of rest and we really didn't do much and we were home and, you know, it was fantastic. Um, and I sort of had the same thing you did where all of a sudden it's back into reentry and I realized that my calendar had filled up almost without my knowing it. And I don't know how <laughs> that happens since I'm the only one who manages my calendar, but the exact same happened to me. I was like, whoa, wait, wait, I just came from rest. Like this can't be. And, and what I think is really interesting is, you know, just like everybody else, I don't know if you're like this, but I kind of, you know, took stock of my own business at the end of the year. And I started setting all these goals. Like, this is what I want to do. And this is the things I want to accomplish. And this is the new stuff I want to add to my to what I offer in my career. And this is the kind of money I want to make. And I had this all sort of planned out in my head and then re-entry and all of a sudden like tons of opportunities and great things are happening to me. And I was like, my entire thing was, oh, be careful what you wish for. Like, <laughs> like, whoa, I was crazy to think this is what I wanted almost, right? Like that was almost what it was. So it was really sort of Okay, man, I got this is what I said I was going to do. Let's do this. You just kind of have to wade in, don't you? Exactly. Well, and that was part of when I went back to bed for those 15 minutes. I'm like, wait a second, I took stock. Right. Okay, I'm the one that put all these things on my calendar, all these people's, all these meetings, all these sessions, right? right. And this is what I always wanted. Right. <laughs> and it was that be careful what you wish for, but, and I can do this. Right. And if I want to, Maybe next year readjust and maybe not re-enter on Monday. <laughs> maybe right. I re-enter on Tuesday. Like get a right. little bit of space for myself. And that's okay. Like just take a note and reevaluate for next year, but see how this week goes. And I did it all and it was a busy week and it was very, very full, but I loved it. Yep. And the bottom line is, it's like what you were saying. It's everything that I wish for. I created it. Right, right. Right. You know, I was actually I was talking to a really good friend of mine, um, over the holidays, actually, she was in town. And this is a friend whose business just was meteoric. Her rise last year was something crazy. And she was constantly in a plane. And I think she said she visited something like 25 countries last year or wow. something. Like just some sort of crazy thing. And she's young. She's really, um, she's, I, you know, she's like in her early 30s. So she's quite young and single. Um and has, so she has sort of, um, she doesn't have any responsibilities at home that are keeping, that would keep her at home. Like, you know, by all means travel when you can kid, right. You know, mm -hmm. sort of thing. But like, I was looking at her, I'm like, you can't keep this up. Like, this is, this is crazy talk. You need to start scheduling downtime. And, you know, it was one of those things where it was sort of physician heal thyself, right? Like I was like, oh, I need to do that. <laughs> I need to. Like, you know, and it was funny because I talked to her and I was like, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want for 2016 that you schedule two weeks where you're at home. Like, I don't care if you're working, but you just have to stay home, you know, and work at home if you want to. But two weeks every, every quarter. And she was like, whoa, I don't know if I could do it. Because she literally was living on a plane. Like, I, I can't even imagine how many frequent flyer miles she has. But I thought, you know, what if I did that myself where I was like, not two weeks necessarily, but like certain days, every quarter, like here I am at the beginning of the year, I've already got all these plans. Does it make sense to, on my calendar, because my calendar rules my life, just mm -hmm. make it so that 
I'm not traveling these two weeks or this week, or I'm going to take that morning off. That morning is, you know, write it as something like contemplation time or something, you know, something that makes it sound businessy, but that literally is like making sure there's recharging time throughout the year and like do it now before the year goes by. So when you have that white space, right, where it's a commitment to you, yep. are you good at honoring that? <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, sometimes, not always. Um, you know, I have a, uh, I have a, 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 a tradition that I've sort of started. Every January I speak at a conference. It just has happened that way. Um, at this particular conference, and it's in Salt Lake City, and it's really beautiful because it's January. And I always try to book a lot of downtime during the conference where I am reading and journaling for the for the year. Like it's literally sort of my brainstorming time, like almost like a staff strategy meeting for my business where the only staff is me, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and um, and that has worked out really really well for me. And I watch like TED talks and I watch a lot of stuff that really sort of inspires me for the year. And I'm really good about doing that. That's once a year. Um, but I probably could figure out maybe twice a year. Like maybe I could, I could figure out another way to do that in July as well, where I spend really, you know, and I'm in a hotel room, so there's not the distractions of everything else, which is why it works so well when I'm there. Um, and I've just like sit down and actually just brainstorm. It's not about returning emails. It's not about um, planning talks or anything else. It's about what do I want my year to look like? How would I want to enhance the way I work? You know, because when I worked for a company every year where there would be some sort of, you know, team retreat where you did that sort of strategy session. Um, And uh, I think that's probably good to do maybe once or twice just in your life. I don't even think you necessarily have to have a business to do it, but to kind of take stock and and brainstorm and inspire yourself. And, you know, I, I think that's good for you. And I, and, and generally, you know, society tells us that we do that at the beginning of a year, but why not, you know, insert two or three more times in the, in, within the year where you do that. I think it would be a good thing. You know, I'm going to, one of the things I'm doing is I'm going to do it quarterly for mm. the, for the year, because just, you know, checking in and, yep. uh, you know, and I, I check in, but like just to really give myself and block out those days Yep. And then the hard thing for me will be not saying, oh, here's something I need, I need to fill it with. No, right? you can't do that. I think the deal has to be is if I block it out and something does come up, then I have to, it, I have to find that time elsewhere yeah. right? within my calendar. I can't just take it off and remove it. So, and that for me, that seems like a realistic kind of, not, I don't, don't want to say a compromise, but it's just real, like real life, right? Sometimes right. an opportunity comes and that's the only day and you know, if it's something, two things that I both really, really want, well, then I can then move that day. And I guess the other preface I have to put is I can't say then I'm going to now do it on a Saturday, like on a, on a weekend that would then be taken away from my family. Right. 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 No, it has to be during, it has to be during the week. And I, I say, call it like a, like something really fancy, like, you know, strategy team meeting you know, when the mm-hmm. team is you, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like call it like on your calendar, actually call it something that sounds really businessy and important, you know, mm-hmm. um, so that you, you start tricking your mind into thinking this is important because it is right. Like, it's not just you shirking your work or, you know, it's actually 
important for you. And it's, I think, important for you, for your spirit as well to kind of, to kind of take stock, you know? And I, the thing is like, I love, like for me, the, the, the times of the year where it feels really um, like it makes sense to do that is obviously New Year's, but also spring because mm-hmm. it's such a time of renewal and also fall because it's like back to school. Like the, the student in me still kind of thinks of that as mm-hmm. a, okay, time to rev up again, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and it's also, you know, and I'm, you know, I, I'm getting my daughter ready for school and, and stuff like that. So it seems like a natural time to kind of do that for myself as well. So I'm going to call my days take stock. Oh, take stock days. I love that. See? You can't move. You can't postpone a take stock day. That's mm-hmm. important. No, and, and you know, the more and more I do this work, both for myself and with my clients, that reflection piece is really important. Absolutely. And yeah. um, in taking stock and like, because sometimes, you know, we all of a sudden we do get maybe too busy or we all of a sudden start to notice, hey, I've really drifted over here. So right. these series of decisions have left me over here. But is this in line of my business? Is this in line of the work I want to do? So really take stock. And then what do we tweak back? Right. I mean, you know, like when I think about athletics, as coaches, the swim coaches, we're constantly taking stock. You know, we're evaluating. When we go to a swim meet, we're looking at, okay, what's, what are they doing? And how is this, how is our training helping or maybe not helping? What do we need to tweak? Right. So to do that in my own personal life or in my own professional life, is really important. And to do that, make that commitment, you know, four days a, a year, I can do that. Right, right. And I think, you know, I love the idea also of taking stock. One of the things, and I remember, you know, I'm about to say it, and there's a part of me that's rolling her eyes as I say it, but <laughs> but I do believe in it. Um, one of the things that I did years ago was I put together sort of a mission. I hate the word mission statement because it sounds so 1980s corporate, but mm-hmm. um but I did. I put together sort of a mission statement about what I wanted my work to be about and uh, how I wanted to change the world and what kind of messages I hope people got from my work. And I wrote it down. I actually have it. I have it on my website. I, it's, you have to f- look for it, but it's there. Give it to um, me and then I'll put it on a show notes page. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. But I have this sort of a list of things and it's, it's broad enough that it gives me the flexibility to change what I do. But it's specific enough so that I can always come back to it and go, am I continuing to do what was important to me? And basically it's, it, it's a combination of what I'm passionate about and also what I hope people get from my work and, and how I want to change the world using what I'm good at, you know, using it, the, the tools that I'm good at. And so it, it's just a sort of, you know, there's probably four, three or four sentences that it is. And it kind of just reminds me of this. And I have used it. I wrote it, I don't know, maybe a while ago, maybe seven or eight years ago, maybe seven years ago. But even, and even though my, my work and my business and my life has changed very much, these sort of core values of mine have not. And it's been really been nice to kind of look back and go, am I still staying true? It's, it's like, um, you know, like, what do they call a truing line? You know, when you, when you do surveying or something like you to figure out, it's, it's like my true north. And so I can always kind of go back to it and go, am I still doing that? Am I still doing that? And sometimes, you know, I've drifted and I go, oh, I really need to, you know, keep it, keep my, what I've said is important to me in mind. Um, I assume that at some point, maybe these things may or may not change for me. They haven't in seven years, but maybe the things that I was passionate about would change, people change. Um, and so it's always nice for me to kind of, review it to make sure that that's still true for me as well. 
Um, so I love the idea of a take stock and I love the idea of having some sort of mission that you've explicitly written down to guide your work throughout the year that to have that during your take stock days, right? So you can look back and go, how am I doing? Am I staying where what's true to me and what's true to myself? I think that's so important for the swim team that, you know, I run one of the, our motto is every month we're the aqua monsters, okay. we're this cute little monster dude. And, but our motto is every monster matters. And mm. what's interesting is that whatever team that we've coached, you know, college, any team, age group, all of that, high school, it's always been that. So it's not about the best swimmers or, you know, it's everybody matters. Right. And how do you meet meet each kid where they are and help them get better? Right. And so that so that's something that I always remind myself of. And then we have another philosophy of being a child f- or swimmer focused team. Right. right. So when, when when I'm going in, I check check in with two things. One, am I lining up with every monster matters? Right. And then two is, are we focusing on the needs of what's best for the coaches or the parents? Or are we focusing on what's best for the for the swimmer? Right. And right. and that helps. That gives me. It's kind of like, um, you know, when you're bowling, the little bumper, <laughs> the bumpers. That right. You yeah. Have. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of like that because you know sometimes you're hitting one side more than the other when you're not a good bowler. But those those are really good things because there are times that we have certain programming where it's not for everybody, right. but it, to include everybody would actually go against the swimmer focused. Right, right. Right. Because it's not in that child's best interest. It's not about being exclusionary. It's just not about meeting that child where that child is at. Right, right, right. And I think that's, you know, I mean, we started this talking about, you know, what's next. I think that having those kinds of m- missions and, and mottos, having them there can help re-energize. Because if they're, if, if they're good ones, then they really do speak to your own core. And so it can be very re-energizing to sort of take stock, get back to that and go, okay, I remember this is what I'm about. This is what lights me up. Um, and so from here on out, here's, um, or at least from here until the next time I take stock, here's what I need to, to focus on. And you will want to do that in an energized way. Mm-hmm. Well, and it helps make decisions too, because all sure. of a sudden you go, you know, you may be angry or hurt by something, yep. right? Maybe I'm frustrated with a parent and I go, wait a second, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what are the values of the organization? Right. What's our purpose here? It's not about the parent, it's about the kid. Right. Right. And right. then it's in, it, it all of a sudden it just makes it really clear of what the next thing needs to be done. Right. Right. And I think also um, it helps you, um, really kind of filter through opportunities that come your way. Mm-hmm. Like I've certainly had opportunities that on their surface were very lucrative, but may not have aligned with what I said that I was going to be about and what I was going to stand for. And in the instances where I've gone ahead and accepted it anyway, because the money was blinding or whatever, it's never worked out. Like it's always been, I've been bitter about it in the execution um, the client could could sense that about me. It was just not, it was always just very draining. Um, and so I think that also helps you just sort of make sure that you are um, doing the stuff that you're wired to do, doing the stuff that you were meant to do. I think it helps as well. So Karen, do you think that you had to go through those experiences of, you know, kind of taking the bait of that lucrative money to go through that experience? to learn from it. So now, you know, now to say no. Um, I hate saying yes, because it's never fun in the process, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like, I mean, 
the, the, there's a part of me that's like, no, I wish I hadn't had to go through that because I should just know that, right? Like mm-hmm. intuitively, you should just know that. But um, no, I think I did. I think I think it it was something that I understood in my head, but not in my heart. And so I needed the lesson. Um, it's a lot like, you know, I um, the the book that I wrote, The Beauty of Different, where I talk about being comfortable and confident in your own skin. I, I've had a lot of people, tons of people say, can you write this for adolescents? And there, I love the idea of it, but there's a part of me that feels like, you know what, some of the pain of adolescence is how you get to the point where you get really comfortable, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's sort of the same thing, that it's sort of like, you know, sometimes you do have to take the risk. I, I don't wish it on anyone because it's never fun. Um, but but sometimes that's the lesson. I mean, sometimes these hard knocks that we get in life are there for a reason. Like it's it what's it's what makes us wiser. Well, there are teachers. Yes, exactly right. And and I get a little concerned when it's when the idea is um I mean, and there's some stuff that we can learn and maybe, you know, like I don't smoke cigarettes, right? right. I was able to learn even though my parents smoked and I think my grandparents smoked that cigarettes aren't good for you. Right. And so and I don't smoke cigarettes. So I was able to learn that. But there have been other things that I've maybe intellectually known weren't good for me, like that third bowl of ice cream. But I, had, <laughs> I had to go through that experience of it. Right, right, right. I think that's right. I think, um, I mean, some, you know, my, my dad calls it a spirit tap when you get that smack upside the head that you didn't, <laughs> that you weren't looking for <laughs> and you really didn't want, but it kind of brought you back to your senses. Like my dad says, those spirit taps, they, they, they suck, but they're they're good for you, right? Like that's the point. Well, and it's it's how do you get up from them, right? When you fall down, yeah, what can you one, learn from them? That's the trick, isn't it? Because once you're down, there's the whole shame spiral thing and everything else. And how do you go? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get up from this, and you know, take a deep breath and a big swallow and and charge on. So how do you get up when you fall down? Not not gracefully. <laughs> you know but at some point i mean that's you know i'm joking but really not but but at some point you know you you get to the point where for me i have gotten to the point where being um like there's no way out but through right like i really believe that that there's no way out but through and if and you can sit and wallow or sit and be angry or sit and be bitter and nothing good is coming from that, right? So at some point, you just have to go, all right, like that's in the past. Let's start creating this future. Let's start making it good. And, um, and for me, it, it really is. It's, a, it's, a, it's taking a moment to go, wow, that sucked, and I'm in pain, and that was horrible. But then you've got to go, okay, you know what? What was that really about? And kind of take yourself out of your head, and sort of look, you know, look around and go, okay, what was that about? What were the lessons there? Um, was it really as bad as I thought, right? Like, you know, I'm, you know, here's what's good. Here's what's still good. Here's what's, um, what's okay about it. And then start taking steps to keep going. Um, you know, Brene Brown talks about this a lot in, in Rising Strong. Like it's, it's about really sort of, you know, getting rid of that, you know, what she calls an SFD, you know, that, that <laughs> sloppy first draft, we'll say, since it's a family show. Um, that story that we're telling ourselves in our heads that, you know, I'm not good at this. I'm not, uh, you know, I, I should have known better. I, you know, you do all the stuff you say in your head and just go, okay, let's, let's take a look at that. Let's put that aside and take a look 
objectively and rationally about what just happened, what the lessons are that we just learned from that, and where we can go from here. And, uh, you know, and that's not to say that it's easy. It sounds easy coming out of my mouth, but it's not. But it's better than just sitting there. Um, So true. So you got to keep moving. You just, you know, you got to keep on moving. You know, it's so interesting because years ago, the intro of the show was about people falling down and getting up, about success, right? And really, it's about this falling down, getting up, falling down, getting up. And one of the reasons I love Brene so much is that she has the research to back up or give me a language, yeah. right, to all these things that I've kind of noticed or put together. Right. And, and I'm like, great, she did this research, here it is. It's, this, is, this is the journey because I think part of our sloppy first draft, yep. we go into that comparison and we think, oh, it's just this nice uh, ascension up. It's just right. straight, right? And right. if I'm just productive and efficient and I do it right and I'm good enough, it will, there won't be any problems. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bless our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like a lot of times, like I will be going, even in the fall, there was some stuff going on and I could feel all the stuff happening and, you know, not wanting to be vulnerable. And I went, oh, this is just the messy middle. This is, of course, this is supposed to happen. Right, right, right. And that's really hard. I actually just recently wrote about this. I was talking to somebody about this is sort of um, we get and I think it's certainly true for me right now, like right now. And um, and true for I think anybody who has like plans for something, um, which we all tend to do at the beginning of the year. Uh, that you get to the point where you're like, okay, I've, I've set everything in motion and where's all that success? Like, where is it? Where, where did, where's all this? I've done it. Like, where is it here? And there's, there's a point also where I think we also have to have faith. It's like that messy middle Mm -hmm. thing that you were saying, like, you have to go, you know what? It's coming and, and relax, like, like give it a minute, you know? And for me that as a really, I'm a pretty type A person. I'm like, okay, I've done everything. Like now, success and fame and fortune is on my way. Like, <laughs> where, where, how come it's not here? You know, and there's comes a point where you're just like, you know what, just trust the process, trust that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And if it feels uncomfortable, it's supposed to feel uncomfortable and you'll get there. Just keep going. And that is so like, for me, that is maybe the biggest lesson that I'm having to teach myself lately is just this sort of don't, you know, you're going to get dinged and you're going to get and things aren't going to go the way you planned them, even though you planned it beautifully. And things are going to come up that you didn't foresee, even though you really, really did your best to kind of foresee everything. And that's supposed to happen. And that's life. That Welcome to life. Like, that's what life does mm-hmm. to you. And so you just got to keep plotting through. You just got to keep going. And I think that's um, particularly, I think, right, that whole what next thing. It's like, come on. Like, we've done it. Let's, let's do this forgetting the whole have some faith in your talent have some faith in your hard work and have some faith that things are that you're going to do this you, you can do this but you know it is so hard yeah <laughs> and i think that's where the work is is that in that hardness because at that point it's it's almost a defining moment because we can either choose like i used to be um i used to love to build, pitch a tent, build a campfire and invite people to come, right? Have my little pity party, woe was me, you know, on and on. And really, when you talk about that sloppy first draft, I just story fondled that thing over and over (laughs) and over and stayed with that crappy feeling and, you know, felt small and shame and compared myself to other people because, you know, that's going to create more happiness comparing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. Comparison is the thief of happiness, right? Right, right. Um, But 
when that's a choice. Like I could choose that. Yep. Or I could choose to say, okay, there's uncertainty. I've done all this stuff. It's not a transaction. It's not like walking into Starbucks, putting in my order and getting my coffee. Right. I've put in my order. I've paid my money. And who knows when I'll get my coffee? And if it'll be coffee. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. right. So how do you do it? Like, how do you, how do you plod through when things are getting tough? Like, what, what do you do? So what I used to do is I build that campfire for a really long time and right. exhaust people. What I do now is that sometimes I retreat and I go back to bed. Yeah, well, sure. <laughs> right, that's, but that's a nice place. It, it's but there's a there's a container around that. It's you know shorter. And then I the big thing is like you're talking about really pay attention to the stories in my head, mm. right? That's the mindfulness piece from Kristen Neff of you know what are the thoughts and what are the feelings and just start to identify. I don't even try to change anything, but what are I rumble with all these stories? Yep. And because I need, I call it verbal vomit. <laughs> right. I know you, you like to write. I need to process it. And so for me, I mean, some I do by myself. And then, you know, if I have a friend or a colleague that I can, you know, rumble with, that's always good too. Yep. And, and, I, and I go through and I process and I start to notice these stories without being attached. Like I watch them yep. from a place of a compassionate observer and I just watch them and I'm like, wow. Isn't this interesting that my brain is telling me this, that, okay, so I did all this stuff and it now needs to happen. Yep. This isn't, this isn't Starbucks. Right. right? Well, and, and to me that that's the hard part, because if you're sitting there going, I'm not good enough. I, I tried and it failed. Like everything in my life is try and fail. Like, how do you, how do you consciously make the switch where you get out of yourself and you go, okay, come on, you have evidence to indicate otherwise. You have successes. You've done, you know, like that's a really, that's tough. I think, um, you know, and, and again, that goes to the whole shame vulnerability thing. But I think like it takes a pretty shame resilient person to be able to kind of pull out of that spiral and go snap out of it, right? Like in that mm -hmm. uh, moonstruck scene, right? Where you just kind of smack yourself across the face and go, snap out of it. Like, pull yourself together kind of thing. That's a hard thing to do. No, it is a really hard thing to do. And you made a really good point because if you're not, I mean, I've had to learn how to become shame resilient, Yeah. right? Because I was a really good runner from shame um, and try to disconnect or numb, obviously numb myself with food uh, with shame. So for me, it's giving myself permission that I don't have to go through this alone. Right. And I, and I also like one of the things I talk about in the show is or with clients is that there are lots of ways where you don't have to go it alone. A lot of people say the podcasts, right? They love our conversations that we have. It, they're like they feel like they're sitting down and having coffee with us nice. and, and to know that you're not going it alone. So whether it's from listening to podcasts, listening to audiobooks, reading books, having conversations with friends, you know, looking at where can you grab these resources? I mean, sometimes, you know, I, and this is, I think Brene gave me this permission, but, you know, the permission of the highbrow and lowbrow, like you can get information from anywhere, you know, because right. like, I don't know, six or seven years ago, I went, oh my gosh, life is a classroom. Right. Right. So, right. so what if I'm watching Grey's Anatomy? There may be something that's said there that resonates. Right, right. Absolutely. Right. And helps me go, oh, it's not just me. Right. Or I don't need to define myself by this. So for the, for the people who aren't, you know, shame resilient yet, or one is just the part of it is practicing knowing what you're thinking and recognizing the feeling. Right. 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 
Right. I think, you know, it's so hard. And then I, for me, I think a lot of it is, you know, you talked about how you used to run from shame and I feel like maybe some of that might be true for me as well, but in a more, not in a, I'm going to pretend this doesn't exist, like without, not that kind of running, but sort of like a, okay, sitting here sucks. So I need to do something to get out of it. Like I need, like, what are the baby steps I can do to get out of it? And it may be as much as I'm going to get out of bed and take a shower, right? Like that might be the baby step. Like I'm going to take a shower and I'm going to put on something that I really like. And I'm just going to get myself ready to meet the day. And then what's the next thing that I can do, right? Okay. Work's doing this. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, I don't know, answer five emails. No more than that, right? Even though there's an overwhelming number. I'm like, I'm just going to pick five, whatever five, and I'm going to respond. Or I'm going to make, usually like if I'm really overwhelmed about something, I'll make a to-do list for like a month. Like if I, like I told you that my January was looking insane. I was like, okay, what do I need to do for January? And just have it listed. And it, yeah, the list could be long, but at least now I can see it, right? Like I'm like, okay, this is what I need to do. And then I can start parceling that into smaller and smaller things. But some little thing where I finally go, I have got to move out of this. And I don't, even if I don't know how, like a shower, or you were saying, I'm going to go for a run. I'm just going to go run. I, I exercise every day. I hate it. I'm like you. I do it for my head, right? Like, but I don't like. I am not one of those people that ever got to. Oh, exercise is fun. Like, I don't know who. The, I don't know those people. I am not that person. I exercise might be fun, but a couch is funner. So, but I will go out there, <laughs> and I will do it. What's fun about exercise for me is the stopping at the end. But the truth is that when I'm out on a trail, sometimes I'll start to think of things. Something, something mm-hmm. will sort of start to break apart where I can actually see the pieces, right? And so I'll just do anything, something, anything that will, A, make me feel like I've accomplished something. I showered, I exercised, whatever. And B, just start moving in the direction where I want to be. Start running from shame towards something, if that makes sense. No, and, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense. And for me, I again, it was that experience, right? And yeah. when, especially writing. Writing is a huge shame trigger for me because of the old stories. And I'd sit there at a blank piece of thing and I'd be like, no, I have this time. I must push through it. I must push through it. Yep. And what I started to learn is that when I go to Bigram, I come back and all of a sudden my brain would just like, it was like a thought download that I just needed to do. Right. And right. because I needed that space to be able to think about or to let it come out. Right. And right. so sometimes, it, you know, and again, it was if I hadn't gone through that experience and said, okay, this seems like I'm cheating because it's the middle of the day and I'm going to go to right. the room, <laughs> right. Right? right? And it should be working. But I let go of judging and I just said, nothing's coming. Let right. me go. And then I came back and I was like, wow. I mean, and I tested it a few more times. I was like, wow, this is really interesting. Yeah. I think that's, I think that is huge. And I think if I was, you know, if I had still worked at say a corporation as opposed to working for myself, because I, you know, there's a part of me that thinks like, well, of course I can go for a run because I work for myself. But I think if I still worked at a corporation, I would be like, you know what, there's got to be, I'm going to go just take 10 minutes and walk around outside, Mm -hmm. right? Just do something to kind of switch, to switch the scenery a bit. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I definitely um, did, but I, well, this is what I used to kind of be resentful about when I was when I was working at a corporation but now I'm like I should have used that is 
like, I always worked for companies where smoking wasn't allowed, right, inside. So there was always, like, the smokers that would go out. Like, they were like, okay, we, I, I need a cigarette. So they'd go outside or something and smoke for 10 minutes. And I would be, like, seething at my desk going, why do they get 10 minutes to go smoke? <laughs> right? Like, how nice for them. Like I get, But I'm like, well, why not pre- make it your smoker's 15 minutes, except you're not smoking, you're walking, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, because... Nobody is judging them, right? Nobody is judging them for like taking the 15 minutes. They need to smoke. They got to go smoke, right? Um, you might be judging them for smoking, but not for taking the 10 minutes. Like you get that, like that sort of thing. So why not that coffee break or you go to the coffee room, take the coffee, walk outside for 10 minutes, right? Walk or take a coffee, go to the lobby and close your eyes and breathe for 10 minutes. I think that's okay. I think that's um, necessary, and I think sometimes a change of scenery is exactly what you need to figure out what's next, right? What What do you do next? What's the next step? Even if it's the baby step, what's the next thing? I think that's so important. And and I, you didn't use this word, so I'm not uh, uh, presuming that this is the word. But for the listeners out there, right, if you see the the smokers and they're getting their 10 minutes and you notice there's jealousy or there's right. envy that they have that, go, that's there to tell you something. It's like what Todd Cashin has to say, negative emotions aren't bad things. Right. They're here to right. give you some information. So like for you, it was like, hey, I want that. Right. You know, not to go smoke, but you're like, I want that 10 minutes. And so I'm right. going to, you know, either if the company doesn't allow it, that's probably a good opportunity to have a conversation. Right. Right. And or if you're in a position where you can do it, but you're not giving yourself that permission, you go and do that. I mean, I've had clients that, you know, in Chicago would walk on the rooftops. I guess there was like a, you know, a place where they could walk and they would go do that in the middle of the day. Yep. And And I think it's really good. And I think companies are I think corporations are really starting to get that. I recently gave a talk at a very large corporation that will remain nameless for now, but they had just built quiet rooms and meditation rooms, basically. Um, in the thing that was just a space that you were supposed to be quiet. You couldn't take your cell phone. You couldn't take anything in there. And it was, it had like, you know, greenery and stuff like that. It was literally sort of a place to go decompress, which I think is fantastic. I think that's smart to have places and areas, um, where it's about get switch, you know, get a little mindset shift and do it. And I think, and Back in my corporate days, I probably would have only used it when I was really upset about something, like really tense. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's anything wrong with also using it for when you're just creatively stuck or overwhelmed, right? Just at work, at, at the volume that you have to do to just go, okay, you know, let's let's just reset. Let's do mm-hmm. let's do a reset. Or here's the other thing that I just thought of, and this kind of lines up with our, our even our take stock day. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be in crisis or something bad. Exactly. It's just having that space to yep. take care of yourself. So you can do, go and do great work. Right. right. Just think about how much like sort of bitterness and resentment would go away, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. About our jobs, about our lives, if we just stopped for mm-hmm. 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, gave ourselves that permission to stop, you know, and go, okay, this is, this is self-care time. However that looks for me, I'm going to take that, that 10 minutes because I need it. Mm-hmm. And to understand that doing that, furthers your productivity, furthers your success, furthers everything that you, in your mind that you think you should be doing, it's actually a part of furthering that is to be able to take do some self-care. It's so important. One of the things, even with my week, I mean, it was ridiculous. I was looking at my calendar and there was lots of color. <laughs> <laughs> lots of color because color, you know, is coordinated to whatever hat I'm wearing. Right. But there's a lot. But one of the things is that I put my favorite colors green. So, uh, 
I put block off lunch. I try to block off an hour every day. And you know what? When I say try, what happens is sometimes, you know, maybe a few emails get taken, you know, there's just a little bit of stuff. So maybe it's not a full hour. Right. But to give myself that space where I know that I can go make myself lunch or, you know, just certain things that I can do. And it yep. may not even be an hour, but I have that space is huge. Yep. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm <coughs> impressed because I'm not good at that. I work through lunch all the time. I grab a lunch and put it right back in front of my computer and I keep going. Um, for me, it's been working out. The last year, mm-hmm. I'm, I've, I've started to view that an hour of working out is now sacred for me. And, um, and again, I hate it. Like I, to be very clear, I do not enjoy it. Right. Um, I have figured out what to do where I'm not like miserable. Like, mm-hmm. like this, like I, I, I like lifting, like I lift weights. And so, um, so that is like, okay, this is not too miserable for me. So I'll do that. Um, but I'm like, I'm going to do this. And basically I need to be in full on, there's some emergency that keeps me from doing that. I'm like, if, even if it means working an extra hour at night or something like that, I am going to do that. And it's, I think it has been amazing how much that has helped me because even though I don't enjoy it, I feel better for sure. I feel better when it's over. I feel better just generally. Um, waking up in the morning is easier. Like there's so many other benefits that have happened. I'm definitely clearer when I come back to my desk after I do it. Um, that I'm like, oh, this is really, this is really important to me. So just like brushing my teeth or whatever, this is something that I have to do, whether or not I have guilt around it or whether or not I actually um, would rather do something else. Like this is something like brushing my teeth. I just do it. I have to do it. It is now my new normal. Um, Journaling is another thing that I am really pretty fastidious about taking 15 minutes every morning before I turn on my computer and just journaling two pages, stream of consciousness, just to get the junk out because it's, I'm better for it. I have a better handle on my schedule. I have a better handle on what's up coming up if I've just done that every, every day. I wonder what would happen um, if you would change your story to from I hate exercise. <laughs> Says the swim coach. <laughs> you know, because I hated exercise when, <coughs> excuse me, I was taking from it. <coughs> excuse me. And, uh, and I was supposed to do it or, you know, this is what, you know, somebody does or, you know, all these stupid rules and, and, and versus, I mean, especially like Bikram was such a mind shift for me because I had to let go of so many rules I had about exercise because I'm like, really, all you're really doing is standing there. Right. 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 And, um, and, and I, I mean, Bikram didn't make any sense to me because it's you sweat. I don't like to sweat. Um, you're told what to do. I don't like to be told what to do. You're locked in a room. You can only drink water when you're allowed to. I'm like, I'm the boss of me. What are you telling me? Right? And it stinks. So it's yep. like none of the things that I intellectually like. Right. right. And you're locked in a room for 90 minutes. I mean, it's not even like a little bit of time. It's a long time. And it's hot. I don't like heat or I didn't. But once I just I kept going back and I kept going back. And once I let go of the stories of, I was like, I don't, I don't even understand why I go. And then all of a sudden I was like, my brain, my brain loves it. My body feels better. So instead of like, you know, story fondling all the things that I don't like, I was like, but I love this. Like 
my brain, my body. So I wonder if you change that story, how that would change your. Yeah. And I will say that I definitely, um, you know, I mean, I tell you, I hate it. I, I, what I really mean to say is I don't love it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like, like I know people who get a high off of the actual activity of running or my husband, my husband, right. Yeah. My husband does like he lives Feeling pain actually is awesome. Like, that's a, like, like he loves it. He's a mountain biker and that's his, like, he loves it. He really, really does. And I'm never going to be that person. But like you, what I love is the benefits that happen from it. Like I, for sure. Um, and also, and it's not even like, like back in, you know, 20 years ago when I was in my twenties, like I would work out to look hot, right? Like that was mm -hmm. really the whole purpose in my head of what exercise was. It was about losing weight as much as possible and looking as hot as possible. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's definitely not my motivation. I really don't care. <laughs> I really don't. I don't care what I look like at all. Um, as far as with exercise, like that's not ever the point anymore. But the point is, is I love that when I, that I don't drink coffee. I mean, unless I kind of want to, like I kind of want the taste of coffee, but I don't need it to wake up. I don't, I am up. I, you know, I, I sleep well. I wake up. I, when I'm work, when I'm doing a run, when I do a four or five mile run, like I am able to think, right? Like that's, I'm not looking at a computer. People aren't calling me, right? Like I'm, I'm totally alone with my thoughts and I can work through things like that stuff. I love. And and I've become quite, um, it's become a necessity for me. Like, I'm like, okay, I need to have that time where I'm not in front of a computer, right? Mm -hmm. I need to have that time when I am feeling, I'm, I'm mindful of my body and my space, right? As opposed to who's sending me email, what phone call I have to make, you know, all the external stuff that I'm actually internalizing it. And that is, I mean, it's not even like loving it as much as, I, I need that like I need air, right? Like I, I've started to realize like I need that to be, uh, to thrive. Um, and so that's actually the only reason that I've been able to keep consistently do it now, right? Like usually I would, okay, it's the new year, I'm going to do it. And I do it for six weeks and then I'm like, yeah, screw that, I'm out, right? Mm -hmm. And it's been a good year and a half of, you know, no less than four days a week, really. I mean, including when I travel and, you know, I take my stuff with me and as soon as I switched my idea that exercise wasn't about a, I have to do it because society tells me I have to do it or B I have to do it to look hot right? <laughs> or I have to lose X amount of weight or stuff like that. As soon as I switched it to this is part of how I thrive. This is part about how Karen, the whole person takes care of Karen and takes care of the work that Karen wants to do that became a whole new dude. It, it became a whole new thing for me. And it became something that I was like, no, I got to do this. This is just like, I just, it became like journaling for me. Like it's something I need to do in order to thrive. And when you think about it in that term, how do you feel? Oh, great. Oh, I feel great about it. I mean, like mm -hmm. that's, I mean, that's just, that's just smart, <laughs> you know? And I don't need to say that I think everybody should go out and run and stuff like that. Like for me, I had to really figure out like, like I am not ever going to be the, a marathon runner. Like there's mm -hmm. nothing about that. I, I don't like bikes. Like, 
there that bikes hurt parts of me that should be treated nicely. Like I just, you know, I'm like, like there's certain things I had to get to the point where I'm like, Oh, I'm lifting weight. I feel pretty powerful when I'm, you know, when I'm bench pressing something or I feel pretty, you know, and, and I really get to something where I was like, Oh, this is, this isn't bad. I can do this. Right. Like I can, I can do it. I don't have to, you know, push myself. I don't have to like, I the CrossFit people. I will never understand. Mm. Cause like, that's just, that's just way too much for me. And I'm mm. never going to be that person, but um, but it works for me. What works for me now, it, it works. And I, I'm never going to be one of those people that like diets. I've decided I'm too old to diet at this point. <laughs> Life's too short. I don't, I don't diet. I will not diet. I, you know, all good things in moderation is my, my rule and, uh, and just go from there. But it, I had to, I had to really get to the point where it's like, this is my, what is my motivation? I think that's the big thing, right? What is your motivation for doing this? And my motivation is I just want to feel good and I want doing everything else in my life to feel good. And that's, and that's in service of that. So do you think that when you tell yourself exercise allows me to thrive, yep. you get motivated yes. and then you do it. So that's the yes. feeling state, yes. right? And so here, here's my invitation to you, Karen. Um, not that you asked me to coach or anything, but what, <laughs> if, what if you just drop that story of I hate exercise yep. to exercise allows me to thrive? And then yep. you get to be in that feeling state of motivated because you get so many benefits. Yep. Right. No, I am. I'm there. I'm there. But like, you know, when I, like, I don't talk about, this is the most I have talked about my exercise with anybody. <laughs> I don't have we got on this at all. But, um, but I am, I am, I, I say that thing, like, I am never going to be one of those people mm-hmm. where they, they get the high of the exercise. I'm that, I don't runners high. I've never experienced that. I don't know what that is, but, um, but I am, and I write about, and I, I am all about thriving. And for me, that's a part of it. And I think that that's, I think everybody needs to figure out what it is they need to do to thrive. And it may, for some people, it may not be. For some people, it may be transcendental meditation, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think that that's, um, that's valid. And so the whole what next thing, I think the what next needs to be what is it I need to do to thrive? Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that's different for everybody. For you, it's swimming. I don't want to swim. <laughs> no, 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 no. That chlorine's not bad for my hair. <laughs> well, and and for me, it's no longer swimming, right? I mean, for me, it's maybe being on the pool deck, and I can now get soothed by being by the water. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, sure. And uh, but yeah, for a long period, I mean, you know, for most of my life until I was twenty one or twenty two. Swimming wasn't about exercise. It wasn't about calories. Mm. It was about my, I mean, it was again about my sanity. It was about what I did and maybe times and stuff. But even as a little kid, it was a safe place for me to go every day. Right. And it was very soothing and it was perfect for an introverted, shy little girl Mm -hmm. who wanted to be around people, but didn't really know how to talk to people. Mm. So I could be with people, but I could put my head in the water. Right, right, right. Right. So it was, it was, it's perfect. And actually swimming, I think draws a lot of introverts, both coaches and athletes. And so it was a beautiful experience and I didn't understand that. I, and I didn't know about swimming in college or becoming, you know, national champion, any of that stuff didn't matter. I just wanted to be there. And then I also liked the people that were there. Right. And, and like what we've talked about earlier is that there was the messy middles of my career. There were times that, you know, I didn't really want to swim or I didn't believe in myself. And I tell this to parents all the time. I go, when I was a teenager, I go, thank goodness I didn't quit. And the mm. only reason I didn't quit, Karen, was there were cute boys in Speedos. <laughs> 
Well, as long as you had a very profound reason. It was it was like, why would I I mean, you know, we talked about, you know, mission statements and values. I was like, wait a second, I don't like to sweat, so what am I do? Go play soccer? I don't like to run, right? That doesn't work. And then you're with a bunch of girls. Right. Like right. You know, for a shy girl, there's cute boys and speedos <laughs> and they're on your swim team. They're on other people's swim teams. Not that I had to do anything, but I was just there right, and, and right. people, you know, they get a little stunned, but that's, it was true. Yep. But thank God, because then when I finally started to develop confidence and really wanted to go after, you know, some of my dreams and my goals and my desires, yep. I was a, I was able to do that. You know, yeah. and I and I think that's important. And so for me, you know, I understand that. I mean, and then swimming, that was what swimming once was. And and then Bikram kind of filled that place for a number of years. And I think what you're saying, and this is so important for people. So whether it's, you know, now what? You're in yeah. 2016 and now what? Take stock. What works for you? Whether it's yeah. exercise, food, you know, the work that you do, you know, in the workplace, like if, even of now what? Like, oh, they get to have a 10 minute break to go smoke a cigarette what do I need so that I can do a good job here? Mm, yeah. What, where, what 10 minutes do I need for myself? Yeah. yeah. During the day. I think that's, I think it's, so, and I think it's, um, I think that requires that, that, that question of, of what do I need to thrive? What do I need to do that? It is, it's very easy to answer that question with sort of a, what should I need? Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's sort of like, what do I need to thrive? Well, I should need, a 90 minute Bikram class. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you get to Bikram and you're like, Oh, this is hot and uncomfortable. Maybe I don't want to do that. Or I should need, uh, to do a mile swim at the gym mm -hmm. and you get there and you're like, Oh, there's water going up my nose. This isn't fun or whatever. Right. And I think that it's, so it's not a question that necessarily you get an answer to immediately. I think mm -hmm. it's a question that requires some, um, some introspection and some time and maybe even some experimentation. Um, <laughs> But to, but do it. It's worth it to figure that out, to figure out the answer. And especially, I mean, I think a commitment to the experimentation, because if I had only done it once, the Bikram, yep. I would never have gone back. Yep. Right. But my husband wanted to go. I'd done it years before and I hated it. I didn't realize what I was getting myself into. We were in Alaska and I'm like, what is this? And I didn't even do yoga back then. Right. And then, you know, fast forward many years and I've been teaching yoga and all kinds of stuff. I went from, I'm not a person who does yoga when somebody tried to recommend it to me to later right. becoming a teacher. Um, and then going into Bikram, and the only reason I went back day two was I had this pass. Right. Right. It was a $20 pass for like 10 and days. And boys and Speedos, maybe? No, no, no cute boys and Speedos. <laughs> but it, was, it came down to money. It was like, well, I could get more value. I mean, that was right. my drive. That was what motivated me to go. Right. Right. And, and I went back like four or five times, and I'm like, this is really strange. But I kept listening to... What would what in my body it was calling for it, right? And my right. brain was and, like, "What are you doing?" And then you probably also figured out how to do it in a way that was comfortable for you. So, like, mm -hmm. maybe it was like, "Okay, I'm going to go, but I need to remember that before I go, I need to drink a lot of water beforehand, or I shouldn't eat until you know." You like you start to figure out. Like for me, that's certainly the way with my exercise. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I got to do it first thing in the morning, or it's not going to get done, right? Mm -hmm. I and I need to I need to figure out like. Like, actually, today was a great day. I was supposed to be in the gym. I had in mind, and I got there, and I was like, I haven't been outside all day because the weather's been crappy. You know what? And I literally walked out of the gym five minutes after I got there. I'm like, I'm going to hit the trail, mm -hmm. right? So I'm like, I'm still going to do it. So I think there's a lot of, like, you know, experimentation, like you said, and 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 and, ex and figuring it out. And then also, like, tweaking tweaking things as 
as you go through. Well, I'm going to do this. Oh, you know what? I don't like Bikram, but there is a hot yoga class that's not Bikram and that's mm-hmm. kind of cool or whatever. You know, like there's like it requires introspection and and experimentation and like you said, a commitment to doing it, to, to figuring out that answer. What do I need in order to thrive but or whatever that is? And, and you're so right. And the one thing you have to be careful of, not to lie to yourself. Like when I used to say, oh, I really deserve this third bowl of ice cream, <laughs> right? I was lying to myself. I wasn't even enjoying it. I didn't even notice I ate it. The reason I was eating the third bowl is because somebody had eaten bowl number one and two because <laughs> I didn't remember eating it, <laughs> right? So I was like, well, I got screwed again. Somebody ate my ice cream. I better go get another bowl, right? right? right. That's the lying to ourselves. But what you're talking about is that you really checked in and said, wait a second, it's a great day. I'm still honoring the commitment. I'm just going to take it outside. Right, right. And, and, and it's like what we talked about with that take stock day. Book that in your calendar. And if you switch it, like for me at least, the way I'm going to do it, my commitment to myself is if I move that day, I have to give it back to myself within my Monday through Friday work week. Right. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's so hard. It, this, it, this is so hard. And I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I would never have figured this out. 20 years ago. Like it's, you know, I'm just not that quick. (laughs) Like it took me getting buffeted around for a while before I could finally go, Oh, self-care is not about being selfish. It's about Mm -hmm. actually being more productive. It's about actually thriving. It's about actually doing what I want to do, like doing what, what my goals are for my life to do. That's what self-care is. And it's not indulgent and it's not, you know, um, and I, you know, I think that's, really interesting and also the the whole um like really being honest with yourself about is that third bowl of ice cream about you know comforting and hiding in an unhealthy way or is it actually about thriving like mm-hmm. does that help me be who i hope for for myself right mm-hmm. um and it could be like uh, trust me i've had some you know, life-changing ice cream in my past. So, <laughs> so, so it could be that, you know, it, it is, but um, I, you know, I don't have a sweet tooth, so that's not a big thing. I do like ice cream, but I have been places where I'm like, you know what? I'm in Italy and I don't know when I'm going to get mm-hmm. gelato like this again. So by God, I'm going to, you know, enjoy <laughs> it. Like, because this is about thriving and really sort of like wringing the, you know, all everything I can out of life. And that I think is awesome. So I think also understanding the motivations behind what you're doing, and making sure that it is about serving your best self. I think that's big. Yeah, no, that's really well said because you're right. The The difference between having three bowls of gelato in Italy is you're probably present with everyone, not thinking somebody ate it. Correct. <laughs> Where I'm sitting there going, who ate my ice cream? <laughs> and I'm totally in shame. Right, right, right? right. That's the difference. That's why it's never enough. Right. So... Well, Karen, this was fun. So thank you so much for coming back. I love having this uh, conversation. I was like, yeah, I get to talk to Karen today. It's always fun being with you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) All right. I love talking with Karen. So when we talk about this third week dip into the new year, whenever the time period may be for you, after the excitement rolls over and you start to get the blues, the one thing I invite you to do is don't beat yourself up about it, that it shouldn't be happening or there's something wrong with you or then use it as evidence that see, you're exactly where you were. Monday morning is my example. I woke up and I went back to bed after I came home from dropping my kids off at morning practice. And then 
I unpacked those stories in my head. What were the things? There's too much. My schedule's too full. And I had empathy and compassion for myself. And I was like, wait, wait a second. This is everything that I've always wanted. This is, I've chose this. And then I thought about, well, how do I want to honor myself? And one was, I could have the story of, oh, you can exercise tomorrow. You don't have to worry about getting up today. Don't move. But I also know as we were talking about exercise is I feel better. My brain can think. And one of the reasons I was in bed was I had to go do some writing that I didn't want to go do. So I got up, I put some boundaries around my exercise, did my spinning, and then I carried out in my day. And you know, at the end of the day, I looked back and I felt really pride in myself. And that's a really great feeling to have. I didn't do it perfectly. I own my story that I went off to bed. Not That's not a prideful moment, but that's the truth. So it's not about doing it perfectly. And it's about owning your story and really unpacking what are the things that are getting in the way? What are those thoughts and those stories? And we talked about it a bit when we were talking about exercise with changing how we talk about something. So I hate exercise to, you know, exercise makes my, my, my life thrive. And how do you feel differently with that new story? You know, I was just baffled when I did Bikram yoga and I kept going back. It didn't make logical sense, but my body was like wanting to go back. I kept wanting to go back. I kept wanting to be there. And I didn't like all of those things. But here's the other thing that's a small step in the whole Bikram yoga thing. And I'm not saying you need to do Bikram. It's not for everybody. And I stopped doing it about a year ago. I'm thinking about going back, but I stopped and to do other stuff. It was kind of time for a change. But one of the things that I noticed is there were certain instructors that I really loved. And then there are certain ones that scared me. <laughs> and I wasn't, as a newbie Bikram student, that was about all I could handle was being scared of the exercise and the smelly room and the sweat. And like, I remember just standing there in sweat coming down going, this is ridiculous. Like I'm not even doing anything and sweat's coming down. And then to the point where I loved that part of the Bikram. But I had this instructor that was really safe. And I was comfortable with, whereas some of the other instructors, I was like, wow, they're really mean. I don't think I could work with them. Eventually I did. And I really liked them and enjoyed them and respected them. But it was when my capacity for doing new things, like I had to get some parts of it done and used to before I could expand further. So with whatever you're going to do, right, some of this like third week funk that I'm calling, it may be that you've expanded and then you just need to kind of rest in that and then go back and expand some more, grow some more in your new year of 2016. So, and then I love this idea that we talked about of having these take stock days where you really come in and you check in with yourself. Am I living in line? Am I not? And it doesn't mean if you're not that you're doing it wrong, circle back, go back and say, okay, what can I tweak? Or it could be, wow, I really thought I'd love this, but it was horrible. <laughs> And it's not in line with what I thought it would be. So I'm not going to do it anymore. And I'm going to replace it with this. Maybe, you know, maybe it would have been Bikram. I mean, there's definitely been some exercises that I've done or, you know, classes that I've taken and thought, hmm, nope. And I, but I do say I had to commit to going for a period of time. Whenever people talk about doing Bikram, I'm like, don't just make a decision on the first time. You've got to go. And that's one of the reasons that they have that enticing package of, I think it's 10 days for $20. 10 days in a row. So you go because you can't make the decision on the first try. And that was something that I learned from Bikram and I apply that in other parts of my life. 
Thank you so much for listening today. And if you haven't subscribed, go to my website and join my weekly newsletter. I'm building a community there. So come and join us, be a part of it. And I want to do a shout out before we leave to one of the reviews on iTunes for Calvinize Mom. And I just have to laugh at myself right now. And I'm not laughing at myself, but kind of with myself because I was tooling around on iTunes and as good as I am with technology, there's just some things I don't understand. And iTunes happens to be one of them. And I was reading these podcasts and people had said, oh, I've been putting in reviews and stuff and I've been able to find them. I didn't realize that iTunes, if you go scroll all the way down, at least on my Macintosh, there's a little uh, flag. Like for me, since I live in the United States, there's a United States flag and then you can go to other countries. When you leave a review in a different country, I can only see it if I go into that. So I'm going to have to figure this out. I'm going to be giving this to my assistant to figure this out. Because all of a sudden, I found all these different reviews. And I've never given you a shout out because I didn't know that they were there. I only looked at the United States ones. I didn't realize that there were different countries. So my apologies. I'm going to be doing a lot more shout outs. Thanks so much for the love. It's fun to read. It's it's fun to know that this show is helping people out there, which is really important to me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And until next time, I'm smiling big for you. On She is drifting, never been so wild.